Today's episode of the Back to Back Podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to backtoback.robinhood.com. That's backtoback.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nerder She Wrote on the Back to Back Podcast, a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Dave DeFord, joined as always by Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. We got Mike Smeltz on the ones and twos. He's actually here this week because, uh, you know, we've, we've got this weird schedule, guys, where, you know, uh, Seth and I are in the central time zone. Mike is in the eastern time zone. We've got Mo in California. Finally, like, this is what, this is only the second time that the four of us has actually been able to pull this off, right? Yeah, seems like it. You know, just telling you guys, you know, the West Coast, the best coast. I, you know what? I actually... Listen, I agree. I, when I lived in Arizona, when we were matched up with uh, Pacific Time Zone, that's the best time to watch games. I mean, you know, for someone whose job it is to watch basketball, it just start. They start so early. You can you could go have a later dinner. Um, whereas Central Time Zone, Eastern Time Zone, and it's your entire night. And if you're staying, you know, if you want to watch the late game, you're done at like you know twelve thirty one a.m. That it's it's awful. It Counterpoint. Oh, oh, uh oh. Wait, Alaska time zone. See, now that's that's yeah. all right. I lived in South that Korea. Was, no, that was I, I've said this before. That was when I was uh, before I got before I I got hired to do stuff. Uh, that was kind of my cheat code because games would start at three p.m. and end at nine p.m. Yeah, and oh, that's, that's so, pretty nice. Yeah. I, I, so I lived in South Korea for a year. And it's basically like a 12-hour difference from... from well, I lived coast. on the moon for a day. No, but I'm telling you, like, I, so I worked as a teacher. That's weird. <laughs> I worked as a teacher, and I would just have games on in class. And so, like, 7 to lunchtime, I'd be watching games. It was fantastic. You want to talk about a real cheat code? Got to move to Asia and uh, and cover the NBA, which sounds completely easy and doable, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. But I'm going to stay in L.A. if, that, if everybody's OK with that. Um, OK, uh, so listen, uh, everybody knows, um, I, obviously, by now, um, you know, Kobe Bryant passed away uh, on Sunday in a, in a tragic accident. It's it's awful. Um, Mo and I got a chance. We you know, we we went really in depth on on Kobe on Buds the other day. Mo, you're L.A. guy. You and I were texting about this because I was like, all right, what do we do on on Nerder? Because by then it comes out on Thursday and at a certain point it's time to talk basketball again. But I wanted to give you a chance because I know like how personal Kobe is to you. Yeah, and it's in really kind of like in L.A. It's still 
still hitting hard. People are still struggling with it. Uh, before I before we started recording, I was in a Starbucks and I could hear pretty much every table still talking about it. You know, it's it's been tough. Uh, we're all for the entire NBA, really, uh, as the community is still trying to to hold it together and, and, and put everything back to normal. And we're, we're trying to get to some normalcy, you know, so it's, it's painful. Like Dave said, go listen to buds. We, we got deep into that. Listen to the daily ding from Sunday. Listen to it from Monday when Dave and I talked, you know, we, we still got into those things, but it's also, I think very important to remember that although Kobe and Gianna were probably the biggest names on there, seven other people lost their lives. So take a moment to think about John Altobello Carrie Altabello, their daughter, Alyssa Altabello, mother, Sarah Chester, daughter, Peyton Chester, Christina Mauser, and the pilot, Aria Zubayan. They were all part of it. Everybody's family's grieving. Uh, we're all kind of hurting. It's, it's, it's pretty painful at this point. It's pretty raw. But I think I think we're at a point, too, where it's probably time to start talking basketball again, guys. Uh, so if you want more Kobe content, go check out Bud's. There's been a million things written that have been great and amazing and, and tear-jerking. Go check all of that stuff out. But well, I think if uh, I can, if Carter, I can interject real quick, the I think the athletic. I mean, you know, this is going to sound like Homerism. I think the athletic has just done a really excellent job. It's all curated on the website. Go check it out. All of the Kobe stuff is is free. So if you're if not a subscriber to the athletic. Still available to you. Most of the stories are extremely personal. Highly recommend David Aldridge, Sam Amick, and Tony Jones. Just right off the top of my head, and and Molly Knight's uh, sort of tribute to to Gigi. I, I thought it was all really, really nicely written, and and, and a lot of it was, I mean, beautiful. Not to, again, not to sound like a homer, but I, I'm really, really impressed by how the Athletic has handled this whole thing. Um, but sorry to cut you off, Mo. Yeah, well, I was just about to say, you know, well, let's get the hoops. Yeah, so, and uh, uh, let's let's talk like nerds, guys. Let's go to work. Well, listen, all right. So we talked about this last week. We talked about the the struggles of reintegrating guys coming back from injury, guys that you trade for, and things like that. And over the last week, we've actually got a chance to see some of that. We saw Trevor Ariza is looking like a basketball player in Portland, um, and, and and actually is a guy that is going to be useful for them. It looks like. Um, but the big one is the guy that we've all been waiting for. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't remember the last time I was this excited for a January regular season game. And, and I got to say, guys, Zion Williamson has reinvigorated me. I'm ready. The, the dog days of the season uh, sort of feel like uh, we're going to get out of them quickly. Uh, Seth, what have you seen out of Zion so far? Uh, he's an athletic marvel. I mean, that's the, just the first thing that just jumps off the page at him. I mean, like, you know, that's not exactly deep hashtag analysis, but it's still when you see a guy coming from a lower level of play, okay, well, he's he's a cut above these guys he's playing with. What does he look like when he gets to, oh, oh, no, still, even yeah. in this group, he's still. And it's just, you know, there's, even his first game, he didn't, he was not for the first three quarters of, of his first game against the Spurs. He was not in rhythm, didn't really, right. but it was, there's still just these occasional, like, Oh, just a quick spin, uh, uh, like a, uh, a leap for a rebound. Just, just, you know, the, before his fourth quarter scoring binge, the one play that stood out to, I think everybody was him climbing all over Jakob Pertl, grabbing a rebound. He had no business getting, and then throwing a, uh, you know, a 50 foot laser of a, of a, of a, of a hit ahead past each one more for, for kind of a, for, he was each one more Josh Hart. I don't remember at this point for a land. And that was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's going to be all right. 
So just just that, for lack of a better term, pop that, yeah. that he he showed is like the first thing that obviously you know jumped out. That's you know, still there. You mentioned wondering if he could do it at the next level, and this is how it's been with Zion, like the entire time he's been in the zeitgeist. And I I, I bring this up every single time uh, I talk about Zion and and like trying to add perspective. The first time I saw him was uh, at Adidas Nations in, in, out in L.A., and he was 16. And Adidas Nations, for people that don't know, is like a basically like an Adidas like tour, and they would bring in a bunch of guys, high level high school guys and, and college guys, and they they were all playing like so scrimmaging and things like that. And at 16 years old, he's bodying guys that are on you know Division One weightlifting programs. I mean, and just in a way that he shouldn't have been able to do. You know, I remember saying, "Gosh, this guy is a monster." And then you look at the tape, and he's playing against you know in high school uh, where he played, he's playing against a bunch of guys that are like you know five foot ten six foot and that's what people use to to kind of knock him and, and so when he went into that freshman year at duke he wasn't the number one guy it was rj barrett was like the number one guy o- overwhelmingly and then it's like okay you watch this guy five games at duke and it's like oh yeah no mm-mm, definitely this guy is number one and then there's still people who were saying oh i just don't think you can take zion how's it going to translate at the next level mo i i think a guy like this is going to translate yeah i mean it's <laughs> the size of him alone is just difficult you know it's hard to uh deal with and and honestly it's very similar to Shaq, in my opinion in the sense of a guy so big so athletic i mean he's better and and and, and more mobile and agile than Shaq. but we had never seen a guy like Shaq before yeah. You know, at like 300 pounds doing all sorts of stuff. I mean, Shaq break dances some, you know, from yeah. time to time. Well, like, th- remember Shaq like as a rookie, like running the break? Yeah. I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff yeah. like that. And, and and it's funny when people sometimes people can't realize what they're seeing. And, they're, and to a degree, it's hard sometimes for, for them to use their imagination and, and things like that. And I think it's also fatigue of using the term. This is a generational player. We overused it because, yeah. I mean, that 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 term it really applies to like one or two people max and i think over the past few years we've used it five or six times um and i think that's kind of the the issue with that and i think there's a little bit of fatigue with that word and people saying every time we say that the guy doesn't pan out well so far he's looking good it's a couple games in i was very perturbed by their the first three quarters by just the 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 plan they had put in because i didn't think it allowed him to get into a rhythm and then once they they kind of got away from the plan a little bit in the fourth quarter. Then we saw him really shine and look comfortable again. And now he's just looking good out there, and it, it, it'll be fun to watch for a while. Well, there's still, like we talked I'm about gonna... last week, they're still not running plays for this guy. Like, I mean, he everything he's getting, you know, a lot of it's just kind of in the flow of the game. And, and, and I, I think that once they figure out, you know, all right, we're going to get him going downhill, coming off DHOs, uh, coming up as a trailer, you know, almost like Boris Diaw was used – for those years in San Antonio and, and really like using his, the fact that once he gets moving, I mean, it's basically like, uh, you know, Bowser from Mario Kart, where like, he's just going to, he's going to move you to get to where he needs to go. I want to, I want to just like push slightly back on something Mo said. Um, and that's, uh, and, and you might be right in that, like getting rhythm, getting not, not rhythm. I, I don't think that that's really material to judging kind of quote the plan he's on they're not they're not trying to you know these first five games or whatever yeah they matter for new orleans making the playoffs this year but really like this is they're they are 
they are taking the view of, okay, this is this guy is the centerpiece of our franchise for the next 10 plus years, not the next 10 plus minutes. So I think that any uh, that, like an abundance of caution is warranted, um, given that you know this is someone who puts forces on his body that you know almost literally nobody ever has before. And also to like respect the fact that there's some science behind this. Like, the, like no, we're not. We don't have exact numbers for the likelihood of of injury or or different kinds of things. But we kind of know what risk factors are. Right. And you know, for someone, you know, someone again as as who operates as powerful a kinetic chain as he does, when you start to see little things fall apart. Then, because of fatigue or whatever, which is net, which is natural for someone who hasn't played in, you know, five months or whatever, right? Um, like little little things that are going wrong in his gait, in his landing, in his in his whatever else, like those can lead to big problems. So I think that you know, having a having kind of the the, the quick hook is is appropriate. I think. Yeah, so, well, I agree. Yeah, and he just had right. knee surgery. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. No, I want to. I, I want to push on that though, because here's the thing. That's fine, and 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 I am taking the long view when I say that. It, you know, the just three minute bursts and things like that. Because if you're that concerned about it, he shouldn't have been out there. You know what I mean? Like if that's something where you're looking at it, going like, "Look, we can only play him four minutes, and then we got to get him out." Or as soon as he shows fatigue, even before those four minutes, we got to get him out. And then in my mind, that's. Yo, he's not ready. And, and and that's fine. I'm not I don't want to rush him. We all want to see him have a, a brilliant 15-year career. We want to enjoy him. I mean, we love the game. Uh but I just think it's it was risky in those minutes, you know. If if you don't feel like he's in that conditioning area where he can go like that or or he can go longer than that, then that's a problem. And then my other thought too was like Okay, if you're going to only play him eight minutes in the first half, why don't you do the last five minutes of the fourth quarter or first quarter, let him get the quarter rest, and then do the the first three minutes in the next quarter? At least that's eight consecutive minutes, uh, and and because that's really kind of his the the load you hope he's going to be able to carry. You know, expand obviously longer yeah. than that, but like you 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 know, I I, I kind of feel like that's almost a better segment because then in that quarter break you can go and check in and go what where are you at what are you feeling what do you have okay we're gonna go a couple more minutes and then we're gonna and 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 then we're gonna reevaluate you know so i think it was it was scary for me and listen we all know i'm not the smartest guy and i'm definitely not a doctor or, or, or have the i know there's science behind this stuff but i think sometimes science gets in the way a little bit of it being too too complicated if it's a situation where it's that we can't go we can't risk him going more than four consecutive minutes. Yo, you he he should have played, plain and simple. He should have been practicing. They should should have delayed it and, and have him practice more. And okay, get more conditioning but, up. But listen, the game experience is important, and, and clearly, like we know, they they got a top flight medical staff now. Um, they're on top of it. And by the way, that four minute thing is already over. I mean, he's played four games and he's already up to the six minute stretches. And, and you know, how often are you, are you going to have this guy playing more than six to eight minutes at a time? You know, it's, it's, you know, he, he he's didn't not... do that much in college either. Exactly. Right. He, he yeah. He's a, he's a short, he's a shorter, like he's not a, right. Like I think obviously from his style of play, he's not a, all right, 24 straight minutes. Right. Go. Like, like that's, Hey, that's, Hey Zion, we, ever gonna be we, they're never going to ask him to play, you know, 40 minutes. Like he's not going to be a Dame Lillard. Um, you know, it just isn't going to happen. I think for, for his, 
maximum effectiveness, I think he's going to be treated like a big. He's going to be in that 26 to 32 minutes and, and, you know, hopefully not playing, you know, 10 minute stretches. Like he's not going to be a full play the whole first quarter, you know, sit, sit five or six minutes in the second and come in and close the second. That's just not how he's going to be used. I imagine. I mean, maybe he, you know, gets himself in a really incredible condition and, and, and changes it, but I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, but with that being said, I, I think Mo, like, I understand that the concern and, and uh, you know, putting the coach hat on, right? Like, I get it. You think about it from the player perspective and, and getting those those actual, like, real basketball reps instead of the fake ones where it's, you know, you're going to do this short, you know, this short uh, rotation and, and, and then get out of there. But also, think about, re, like, reintegrating this guy into the game plan. I think it makes a little bit more sense to, to disrupt it for smaller periods while you're easing him back in than, than to do it, you know, just wholesale change of the rotation. I disagree because that, that again, like that ruins the flow for the other four players and the guy you're bringing in and out or, or whatnot. Like, look, in that first game, nobody really shot the ball well for that. I mean, until Ingram Zion. Had a bad game. Yeah, well, until Zion got going, right. But yeah. like, but Ingram didn't shoot the ball well. He had a bad game. Uh, Drew Holiday had a bad shooting night. Like these guys' flow was was interrupted. So I think it's it goes back to reintegration that we were talking about, where everybody's roles change, and 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 I don't care. If, I mean, I'd like them to make the playoffs. It'd be fun to watch them. It'd be fun to have Zion versus LeBron in the first round, especially because I'm in LA and I get to go to those games. The the level of that, like that that reintegration, kind of really screws everything up across the board. And it goes back to our conversation where everybody's role is going to change. And you have to get that adjustment and figure that stuff out. And, you know, they're 2-2 two and two in this stretch. They have nice wins against the Celtics and, and I mean, the Cavs. They, sh- they should beat the Cavs with or without Zion. Played good games against the Spurs and the Nuggets. But, like, there's that level of, like, it's going to take time to figure this whole thing out for them. You got to settle into a rotation. Players absolutely are creatures of habits for the most part and all want to know their roles. And when you start throwing this stuff around, it becomes it gets difficult. Yeah, I, I will say this though, and and hopefully Seth doesn't yell at me for using a uh, per thirty six yeah. here. Yell at him, yell at him, Seth. <laughs> uh, listen, twenty seven points and twelve point four rebounds per thirty six. Like I think I think it's going to be okay. And, and and remember, like if they make the playoffs, okay, they're just going to you know it's going to be four games and out probably. Uh, I'm petitioning the league to to combine Memphis and New Orleans for the playoffs. That's what I want to see. But so that's a perfectly appropriate use of per thirty six. Okay. I Thank applaud you. you. Thank you. No, but I was going to oh, say that's that also, so disappointing. We're, again, we're that, we're trying to also... elevate the discourse here, so I want to make sure I'm doing right. <laughs> that, by I think that what also we're doing. that illustrates the point that like respecting everything Mo was saying. Yeah, players are creatures of habit, and you want to find a rhythm and you don't want too much disrupt. this guy's good enough that you disrupt you disrupt everything and you build it okay yeah it's gonna it's gonna hurt everybody else for in in the short term maybe yeah like we can quibble about whether that's just convenient narrative making or not but that's a different argument for another time uh or we can say okay even if there is disruption worth it and i'm you know i'm fairly obviously this is always a dichotomy between like the almost the coaching and like the front office perspective right, right? You're very like this game, uh, Mo, and I'm you know, I'm much more the longer view, and that's neither is right or wrong. It's a different different I perspective. Think, you know, this is but from this my is perspective, like you in this for where they are for for this guy's importance to what they would like to do over the next you know not not the next six months, the next six years. Okay, if you're disrupting everyone else, tough shit. That's that's you know they're, like there are. 
different rules for extremely talented people, and he uh, quite clearly is one. Before we move on, also just you, you're mentioning combining the the Grizz and the the, the Pelicans <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. playoffs. Right at the end of the season, they play a home and home in late March. That could be like uh, you know in in uh, European soccer, how yes. in in later stages of a tournament, it's a it's you know it's a two legged tie. The, yeah, uh, that 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 could be like the uh, you know the the Champions League of Rookie of the Year. Uh, uh, like semifinals oh, between hold the, on. The, 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 the Pellies and Grizzlies. Wait a second. Now, like we talked before the show about not specifically not talking awards because none of us were really prepared for it. But I just want to say right now, the Rookie of the Year award is wrapped. It's over. I don't All like right. Zion. Zion, if, unless he's going to average forty a game for the rest of the season, it's John Morant's award. In eight minutes. In eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen. What? Okay. If, has anybody if worked he's out thirty minutes? <laughs> if he's playing thirty minutes a game at the end of the season and his his kind of rate stats are close to what they are now, yeah, I will argue against you on that. Well, let so, me ask you. This. So, and, so you're and, cool if he only you know plays lo- forty games. I know you What's know. That? I know you love Ja. I know. So if he only plays forty games, you're cool with like. Him potentially winning rookie of the year? If he plays 40 games, shooting 68% from the floor, scoring, putting up a double-double and wrecking everyone in sight, yes, I would consider him. That's amazing. So would you? So so, so let me ask you this question. So and, and we're a bit by the way, off, I, I, I wanted Embiid just, to be the rookie of the year. That, that yeah. was my question. Seth, yeah. would you have voted for Embiid over uh, uh, Brogdon? Well, I was... I, I was kind of... Uh, I was contractually oh. biased at the time. Right. So, no, I would not have. <laughs> Um, but that's, that, that's, that's, you know, um, that was I, can't old cla- I can't claim, I can't claim objectivity on that one. So they got that one clearly right. And, and plus okay. if he wasn't the force, no, I can't even make that argument with a straight face. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. So, um, one of the things that, that we wanted to touch on, uh, as we're, as we're again, trying to, you know, do the, our bigger picture view it, and and this is it's great that we were just talking about the Pelicans. Um, it is the dangers of comparing players that play different roles for their teams, and not dangers because it's not serious. Okay, but in particular, Mo brought this up and and was like involved in the discussion uh, with friend of the show Anthony Doyle, and he mentions Giannis and his his mid range and three point shooting being better than Anthony Davis. These guys are completely different players because of the role that they play for their team. And it's extremely difficult to compare. And, and you know, like it, it's sort of like the talking about Carmelo Anthony back in the day being inefficient when part of his job was just like chucking shots was actually a function of the role that he played. Yeah, it's I love Anthony. He's a good dude. The things that bother me about that kind of stuff, it goes back actually to last week's Nerder and the shot chart conversation, right? And there's context to every type of shot. Like, you know, Davis is getting a different type of look every time versus what Giannis is getting. Also, a lot of teams aren't always respecting Giannis's shot, right? Whether it's a three or a, 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 a mid-range. Like, they're just like, hey, we're just going to meet you at the paint, bud. Uh, whereas the other teams are up on Davis. And, and, that's not the only two. That's not the only example. You know, there's people comparing Ingram and Simmons, and I understand the the draft history of you know I would have taken Ingram over Simmons or whatever. I think also that's two different types of players, two vastly different players that play different ways. And for certain teams, you might want Ingram over Simmons, and other teams might want a Simmons over Ingram. And I just think we get into this, and and when I say we, it's a Twitter thing. Oh yeah, we get into this whole, whole debates nonstop back and forth about all this stuff and i just look at it going like but dude that's not that's not his game you know simmons's game is 
he wants to push in transition. He wants to find teammates and he wants to get to the rim. Ingram's going to shoot. He wants to attack. He wants to post up. He's a much more of an ISO player. Like there's a whole different level of these things. And sometimes I just kind of get, I, I just throw my hands up in frustration with these things sometimes where I'm just like, God, like we're just doing this again. Like this is just, these are useless debates. It's not even comparable. You know, if you want to compare Giannis's number when he's the number one option to LeBron's, Okay, that's a conversation because they're both number one options. They both handle the ball a ton for their team. They're both in charge of creating for their team. All right, let's talk about that. But when you're comparing a dude who's a number one option to a dude that's a second option and you know needs a point guard and and, and whatnot, when LeBron's off the off the court, you it's just tough to do. I just don't find it a a, a fair argument. Again, Did we get a slow clap for Mo's uh, first rant. Yeah, that was a Mo rant. I was, I was about to yeah. say. Uh, oh, y'all don't. You guys don't deal with me enough. I rant all day. <laughs> I th- listen, Mo. I, I think I I definitely deal with you plenty. Uh, may, like there's a chance that like people probably think that that we uh, only podcast with each other uh, because of how many different podcasts we're on together. So I, I this is a this was a a new Mo rant. I will say. This was a different a different side of Mo. But here's well, I was here's also the thing. good because I didn't curse too. I was also very good go. about not cursing. I so, love points for that. So here's the thing, right? What these arguments are missing is the the thing that we have been hammering the last few weeks is like context. And context in basketball is so important. It is it is like there's so much gray, and if you just look at numbers, you're lost. I feel attacked now. But you you don't just look at numbers, <laughs> right? Like this is the thing and and, and there are there are people that will just look at numbers and try to make a comparison and that's it. But you can't do that because again, like the roles are just so vastly different. And it's it's also you need context of you know the players around. It's sort of like this lineup data stuff that that we were knocking. I need to know like the context. I need to know who are they playing against. I need to know all this stuff. And and in particular with with guys' roles, that stuff matters. There's a anyone who who has kind of followed my work for a long time knows that if there's one thing I can't stand, it's rankings. And that gets into kind of what Mo is talking about, like the incessant, you know, well, this guy's then this guy's the second best. This guy's the third best. Clearly, you're an idiot if you think any differently. And and much more. It's much more important to both important, whatever, from a fan standpoint, but from a, an analysis of the game standpoint, kind of figuring out more levels of play. Like, you know, we're I'm kind of I'm I'm teasing something we're working on behind the scenes at the athletic now. But like, you know, you've got, you know, your LeBron, your Giannis, your Kawhi. Which one of them is the best? Eh, who else you got in your team? It's close enough that 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 it's who, which one is the most effective might be determined by who else you got. Now you want to compare those guys to say Paul George, Paul George, all star player. I mean, he might or may not make the all star team this year because of, of time missed. But still, like all star level player, certainly like he's not on that level. So he's a he's a tier or two down. And but so you do need to make those kind of distinctions. And, you know, in the context of, of Simmons and Ingram, I would still say that Simmons is a, is a tier or two above Ingram. But that's. Again, neither here nor there. But the point is, like, amongst these groups of, of similar players, it doesn't really matter who is platonically best. Then for most guys who who don't create a context, who fit into a context, that matters. You know, for these, these top guys, they might, you know, create a context in and of themselves. Like, you know, you have LeBron on your team. You play like a LeBron team. That's, so I'm Back not, to the heliocentrism. Yes, exactly. Right. But, and, but not every team operates that way. And, and for instance, all right, so you, we were talking about Simmons. 
Embiid just missed nine games, came back. Okay, During that stretch, they weren't awful, but their their offense was 29th in the league. I mean, Embiid is is literally he – is, he is the fulcrum of that offense. Not a great offense, even when he's there. But it, it gets worse when he's not on the court. Interesting thing about Philly, by the way, that uh, that uh, Ed Kapefer, who is uh, uh, among other things, consults with the Rockets, uh, uh, put out a put out an infograph today that kind of showed um, today being Wednesday, uh, put out a uh, that that showed you know how much teams have been leading by various amounts based on level of competition, and the Sixers are this is the, the, the you know to this the, the, the kind of the schizophrenic team that we've all seen the Sixers be this year. Uh, you compare how they've been against top teams to other top teams; they look oh, yeah. fine. They look they're you great. You compare how they've been to, to other bad teams, and it's like they're not. You know, you know, Milwaukee is historically crushing bad teams, and Philadelphia is though they've won all a lot of those games. They haven't been as dominant against those. And does that matter? I don't know. But anyway, that's the that's just the weird thing about Philly all year is that they're going to look not great against lower level competition. But they can kick anyone's ass, like when they play their game against the top competition. Yeah, and and I think you know the the whole thing of like this team's better without Embiid. We should look at trading Sim. I mean, they should look at trading him. I mean, they should build around Simmons. I'm like, you kind of saw in some of those games that they lost while he was out, like when the offense sputtered. Like that's when they would go to Embiid in the post, and he's either going to get you a look. Uh, uh, get to the line. Maybe he turns the ball over if you double team it because he's not very, he's not been really good out of that yet. Uh, but like, there's more positive opportunities out of that than anything else, you know, in their half court. So it's it's interesting to see it, you know, from from the Sixers in that sense. And that's a great uh, infograph that you just brought up, Seth. I'm gonna have to go find that somewhere now and uh, uh, study that for a little bit. But you know, as long as you're up one when the buzzers hit zero, it's Counts the same as if you're up 20. Yeah. But before we move on, guys, I want to tell you about a daily sports podcast from Wondery and The Athletic. It's called The Lead. Every weekday morning, The Lead brings you a deep dive into the biggest sports stories of the day from The Athletic's all-star team of local and national sports reporters. Stories like, where did the 49ers' new star running back Raheem Mostert come from? I I have no idea. I got to find out. Or what can Zion Williamson do for the Pelicans? We just talked about it a little bit. If you're looking for the full story behind last night's scores and today's hot takes, make sure you subscribe to The Lead from Wondery and The Athletic. So I'm glad you brought up, you know, going to Embiid kind of when they need a bucket because that's that's sort of a natural transition to something else I think we wanted to talk about because this is something that's come up with uh, kind of with Dallas has had some late game problems. Um, Historic has found some weird ways to lose games shall we say um and i wanted to talk a little bit i wanted us to talk a little bit about like clutch and the notion of clutch um i'm not someone who's going to say that i don't believe clutch exists i am going to say that it's a hard thing to measure and we kind of retrofit narratives onto what is you know for lack of a better term often like luck you know our for example you know huge example are the uh, Raptors a a a better clutch team than the 76ers or last year were they because the ball bounced four times and went in instead of going out like that's you know yeah the ball went in but anyone who says that's that's anything but like good fortune is is selling something 
So I just wanted to to you know delve into that a little bit. And you know, Mo, you've been around, and and I think you you know on some of the teams you you were with, you probably had seasons where you guys always executed, or it seemed like you guys always executed at the end of games and came out ahead. And there were seasons where it was a struggle. Um, would you think there was anything different? between how you were playing those years or was it just kind of a momentum thing or is it just one of those things that happened god like this is this is a tough one um you know because i really just think it depends on the guys like when i was in san antonio let, let me start first when i was first with the clippers we were terrible we i don't even think we had close games because we sucked but if we did like our guys weren't ready for that like we were just bad at it you know and and i don't even want to know what what our record was uh we probably maybe had five close games all year but uh we got our ass kicked all the time so what what, what uh, year is that i i have it up in front of me uh it was <laughs> uh god now i'm old 2006 to 2009 during that stretch but like you know i i, I think it kind of depends on where you're at like I would go into San Antonio and, and for the next two years after that. And I don't know what our clutch numbers were, but it felt like our guys came up with amazing plays in those situations almost more than normal. Like, you know, Manu found another gear. And and and, and, and to go to what you're saying, Seth, like it's not something you can kind of measure. But Manu just had a tendency to freaking make huge plays at just the time you absolutely needed it. Um, I remember a, a crazy tight game where we won with Tim Duncan dunking in uh, Roy Hibbert's face at the last second. Uh, it's just it, I really think it's just the guys you have, because when, when I came back to the Clippers, we had Chris Paul and, you know, we've seen what he's been doing in the clutch this year. I remember just turning to our strength coach going like, that's what it looks like when you have a guy that can close for you. Like, that's that's what that looks like. And, and you know, like we just but, didn't have have that before. But doesn't hasn't Chris Paul also like kind of famously given playoff games away? And so my question is then, is it, you know, we we there's a lot of things that, you know, it kind of from the stat side, we we tend to call it variance or luck when it's that's probably not the best way to put it, but that's a useful shorthand. But it's really like, you know, sometimes you play better than others. Sometimes you're more confident. Sometimes you feel better. Um, and and so. Like this year's Timberwolves team, I think is always gonna feel snake bit because they've now lost two or three games that are just like between the the jersey untucked and then whatever happened uh, right. the other day against. See, that was a clutch you know, move uh, by Chris Paul, though. Another 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 clutch play that you cannot <laughs> yeah, exactly. measure. Yeah. There is no stat for that. Um, if no, I can, no. if I can, just to to like talk about the human side of clutch, right? Like, I don't I don't know that anybody can can necessarily perform better in the clutch, but I do think that the guys that are willing to to actually attempt stuff in the clutch, like there, there is something there that's worthwhile. I mean, like Damian Lillard, for instance, uh, I mean, Kobe, you know, like while he's kind of fresh on our minds, like, you know, being willing to, to do that stuff also should matter. Like not shying from the moment. I mean, like we had a different defense for Kobe in, in, in the last two minutes, you know, like Harden complains about getting doubled as soon as he crossed half court to get the ball out of his hands. We did that in San Antonio, you know, anytime we're in a close game with Kobe, like we had just, we had a whole different defense for him, you know, in, in that situation. So uh, it's, it's teams are worried about certain guys in clutch situations, you know, and, and I do want to push a little bit back on you, Seth. I mean, Chris really only blew, as I can remember one game, one playoff game. He also won a few 
uh, you know, in clutch situations. Famously, his his floater over the Spurs in Game Seven while pulling his hamstring. So I, 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 there is a lot of variance to it. You're right. There is a lot of luck, but you know, some guys just have that ability to 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 make it happen. I mean, I don't know how we explain Robert Ory. God, is is he like the best clutch performer of all time? Like, obviously, we could go back and measure this, but. It's it's low volume, but it's a high success rate. So if you go back and look at this, and I have, yes. um, <laughs> I love it. That there, it was actually one of the, the the first articles I wrote for the Athletic was was about this. If you look at guys taking like last thirty seconds shots to tie or lead, like league average over the last twenty years has basically been that's about a thirty two percent shot. Now, as you add attempts for each guy. Uh, Everyone is getting pulled towards that 32% mark. Like, literally, like, you know, the guy, there are some guys who are, you know, a make or two above or below, but there are very few guys, once you get up to a significant number of attempts, that are meaningfully better or worse than that. So that's the kind of thing that makes you think, like, okay, you're going to get a hard shot in this, this scenario. And, you're probably okay. You're probably already a player of a certain stature and probably position because not a lot of big guys show up on the list of, of high volume. Uh, so, oh, we got a we got a guest star. Oh, we yeah, got we a get, guest. We, we do. We got a guest. We do have a guest. <laughs> oh yes, that's good. Oh, great. What, oh what, man, what do Here they think he about comes. clutch? Here he comes. Yeah. What, is, he what does he think clutch. about clutch? Talk about clutch. clutch. That was a clutch moment. That he got he, a cake pop. <clears throat> Oh, oh, all right. Oh, well, all right. Seems seems like a good good time to wrap up. A little bit of a programming note. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wait until after the trade deadline to record next week because you know we want to be able to to be up to date on, on any trades and and kind of break them down, uh, discuss how they will affect the rest of the season, playoff races, and, and things of that nature. So um, if if the show is not out, uh, you know, early on Thursday like like it normally is. Uh, don't freak out. We're, we're waiting for the trade deadline um, because we want to be up to date on that stuff. I mean, you know, it, it stinks that sometimes like when we record on Wednesday and then something big happens Wednesday night, like Zion coming back last week, uh, Victor Oladipo coming back tonight. I'm really excited about that because the Pacers have exceeded my expectations so far. And I think that, you know, adding Oladipo to the mix really is going to make them uh, uh, a little bit dangerous um, in the, in the playoffs. So, uh, I'm excited about that, but uh, you guys, what what are you what are you paying attention to for the next week? Before we do that, that means hey, all you front office guys, get to work. We need trades, okay? It's like us calling for a mailbag question. You know, right, I, guys, make a few moves. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It could go either way because you know we had that huge free agency in the summer where like half the league, you know, were free agents. Um, nobody really has money this this summer. Uh, they're they're not really any good free agents this summer. The draft isn't great. It could be a super quiet deadline. It could be a very busy deadline. I I don't, don't know what don't to make expect. Excuse, don't make excuses. I think it's going to be a Dave. super quiet deadline. I, it I feels like it, don't right? Make, don't make excuses, yeah. guys. Get to work, guys. Help us out here. We need help. All right. It's like a mailbag. <laughs> get get this done for us. So Seth, uh, Seth what are you what are you watching this week? Well, first of all, do I count, do I count as not clutch now for not being able to to finish my last point on this podcast? Well, because I it comes it comes with a you know what I, you you're not clutch, but your kid came up with a great defensive clutch play. That's that's true. Uh, seriously. Do, do, well, it's, if you'd like to wrap it's up, a, the it's clutch deflection. Point. 
This is this no, is. No, uh, I, I lost I lost my thread. There you go. Because uh, because uh, you know deflections are good. You we track deflections, right? And, right. And and Bruce Part now has one. So good job. Bruce. <laughs> yeah, Brucey. Yeah. So yeah. So oh. what are you paying attention to? Sorry. Um, I just I I you know I didn't say anything at the start of the show, so I just wanted to. I think the thing that I have taken away is something Ernie Johnson said on TNT is just you know take time to. Uh, to say what's up to your friends this week. Um, it's, it's, this has been uh, doing this pod with with my friends has been good, and uh, I think I want to encourage everyone to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I love you guys, uh, even though we yell at each other from time to time, and I think some of your opinions are crazy. Love you guys. Enjoy the podcast. Love all your friends, and and and, and reach out and touch someone. On a basketball note, because I'm not going to be as eloquent as Seth, I, I am I am very excited for Oladipo to come back because I want to watch how they reintegrate him. Yeah, Brogdon has been great. Yeah, I want to see how this works out. Yeah, uh, again, like it's been a it's been a rough week, but you know life goes on, and uh, luckily we have basketball. And for me, I'm going to Serbia, checking off something for my basketball bucket list that I'm really excited about. I'm going to go to the Partizan Red Star Derby. I'll be there next week. Uh, I actually lucked out and going to see um, Team USA, the the women's national team. They're going to be playing in Olympic qualifying. It's going to be a good a good basketball week, and it's a trade deadline because uh, I just completely brain farted on the schedule and put myself, you know, six hours ahead of Eastern time for the trade deadline. Great great idea by me. Uh, so that's going to be a fun day. But uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure that you uh, go and subscribe to The Athletic. I, I really think we're doing great work. Uh, subscribe to this podcast so you get notifications every time a new episode drops. Uh, give us a good rating on iTunes and a review if you like it. If you don't, don't bother, please. Thank you. Uh, and we'll be back next week uh, with a trade deadline review.